We pray that you would be glorified here among us today as we look to your word. And um, Father, that, that through it, you would continue to transform our thinking and our very lives, that we would be your ambassadors here. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, we did a pop quiz last week, so I want to see how, how well everybody's keeping up here. All right? First command. No other gods. All right. Second command. Yeah. Have, make no images of Yahweh, of God. A third Wow, you guys, can we get a round of coffee? <laughs> Something here? Yes, don't misuse his name. Number four. Yes. Yep. Remember his Sabbath and keep it holy. Number five. Wow, you, you remembered that one like that. Like I heard several of you. That one was on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, honor your parents. Number six, yeah, do not murder. Number seven, yeah, no adultery. Number eight, that's where we're at today, don't steal. All right, that gets us up to speed there. All right, so um, by the way, there's a reason that I'm, I do that, just in case you didn't know that. I want this, his word to be embedded in you in your mind, in your heart, and so this pop quiz actually has a purpose. My hope is that together we are remembering this, that it gets solidified within us, that we know where the truth lies and where we stand upon it, that it may guide our very life and the way we think and our desires, and that we can be held in check by it and always reminded of where God's blessing lies and how we can walk in it. So, good job. Took you a little bit to get started there, but you got, a, you got going there. Exodus 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. Um, now, this one really is, is pretty straightforward, but oddly enough, as straightforward as it is, our human nature has a million ways of justifying versions of stealing that we deem acceptable. And uh, so we're, gonna, we're not going to dive into all those ways because it's impossible for us to tackle all of them. Um, there, there, there are an infinite, infinite number of ways, I think, to, to justify little bits of stealing here and there that we can find socially acceptable or, or, in, or whatever. But what we're going to do is look at the heart of it. We're going to look at, um, at what this, how this... Uh, how we, how we implement this, apply this in our life. Because it touches, it should touch every aspect of, of who we are and how we operate. Remember, we represent the Lord on this earth and uh, in all of our interactions, both with Him, with others, and with creation. And so we're going to look at really all three of those aspects of do not steal. Uh, here, steal, just so we're all operating with the same language, steal is to take or receive unjustly, 
uh, and without permission something that does not belong to you. That covers a wide territory. Now, here in Exodus chapter 20, it's speaking most directly to the taking of others' possessions. So remember, this is kind of similar to when we looked at don't commit adultery, that while the command specifically targets adultery, the expansion of that command applies to sexual purity at large for us. In likeness to that, while the command here is specifically targeting the taking of others' possessions, the principle and the truth lived out and applied with the heart of God behind it here on this command gets expanded beyond just the taking of others' possessions. So we're going to kind of look at that because there is, as we get uh, up into Matthew, his gospel, we see that Jesus reveals the heart of God's commands that people were always to be walking in so that the command do not steal as in don't take others' possessions was not meant to be narrowly applied, but broadly applied, having received and understood the heart of what God was getting at. So to steal is to take or receive unjustly or without permission something that does not belong to you. Now consider this when we, when we think about uh, a broad definition of what stealing is, rather than thinking of it narrowly as just the taking of possession, what we will then begin to realize is that the Ten Commandments, the, all of them deal with the taking of something that does not belong to you. Consider the first commandment. So if, if stealing is to not take or receive unjustly or without permission something that doesn't belong to us, then we better not take what the Lord has not given to us. Namely, the first command, His glory. He will not share His glory with another. And so to have no other gods before Him means, means that we do not rob God of any of His glory. We don't rob Him of His rightful position of Lord of all. The second one is that we don't rob Him of His attributes we don't, we don't limit His attributes by making an image. Whenever we make an image of God, we automatically uh, misrepresent and limit who God is. The third one, we ought not steal His name for our personal use. That is to misuse His name in any way that, that uh, un, un, incorrectly represents or reflects on Him. Fourth, that we do not steal the Sabbath for our own use, but that we remember it and keep it holy set apart for Him. Fifth, that we do not steal honor from our parents. God has given them honor as in their role in our lives, and we are not to rob them of the honor which God has bestowed on them. Number six, we are not to steal life. In all the versions of of that we covered in looking at what it means to do not murder, that we are not to unjustly be taking life, whether it's through the outright murder of someone, uh, whether it's that taking place in our heart, as Jesus reveals in Matthew's Gospel, or uh, whether we're talking about abortion, that we do not take life. Number seven, that we do not steal sexual pleasure. God has provided, a, provided boundaries and a, 
a secure place for us to find sexual fulfillment and pleasure within the boundary of marriage where it is protected and held sacred. And we are not to steal that by going outside of God's parameters. Number eight, we are not to steal others' possessions. And I would add to that, and their trust. We are not to steal others' possessions or trust. Um, And we'll get more into why I included trust here with that do not steal command. Number nine, we are not to steal people's good names or reputations. Um, That gets into falsely accusing, as we'll get into next week. And the number 10, we are not to steal the joy, peace, and unity of our community by coveting one another. When we covet one another, when we're jealous of what one another has or what we perceive that each other has, it, it, it creates division and, and causes strife among us. So do not steal really is an outworking of um, most directly uh, our relationship uh, with each other of loving our neighbor as ourself. Now it also, as when we consider do not robbing God of what is rightfully His in terms of His glory and His name and the Sabbath, that, that it, it also affects that, the heart of that command also affects our vertical relationship with Him. Um, here in Exodus, it is most directed at the way we relate one to another. In Leviticus 19.18, it, it tells us that uh, it, God tells His people, you're to love your neighbor. Now, this involves two dynamics of who we are. Uh, and um, so I want to look at those. Um, this idea of do not steal and um, coupling that with loving our neighbor. And the first one is personal responsibility. So there is, we are each called by God to be personally responsible. We're to be responsible for ourselves. Now, I don't mean that we're to be self-centered, but rather to consider God has given us a means of providing for our own needs in a in a in as, uh, as um, in whatever capacity we are able to do that. Now, there are are times where we are not able to meet our own needs, and that is where God has provided others around us to help with that. But aside from the needs that we, I think, all will run across in our lifetime, um, where we will get to a spot where we need the help of other people, aside from that, God has given us a responsibility to, as best we can, look out for our own needs. And I would include in that our desires. Because once we get into that 10th commandment there, and even this one, there are things that we want, and when we don't have them, and we see others have them, then we begin to think about how maybe they shouldn't have it, and we should, and how we can get it, and it consumes us. And the short of it is, hey, if there's something that you desire and it fits within uh, what God allows in your life, then work for it. Right? Make a plan and start working towards that goal. 
rather than contemplating the taking of it, as in the case of do not steal, or, or the stewing on it and getting upset at others for maybe having the thing that you desire. So we have um, be responsible for your needs and desires. Now I think this is um, especially important, and I, I'm not aiming to delve into to politics at all here, but we seem to have a culture that is encouraging more and more the idea that others owe us something and that others should carry the weight of our responsibility for us. That is completely unbiblical. In fact, right in the Garden of Eden, before the world even starts falling apart because of being contaminated by sin, God gives Adam a job to do in a perfect environment. Um, he's not fighting goldenrod or anything like that. He's just he's there working in a perfect environment that's uncorrupted by sin, untainted in any way, and God gives Adam a job because there's dignity in the work that we do. God has blessed us with the ability to work and to work towards our own provision. So Paul, when he got... Uh, when he um, was ministering to the Thessalonians, there seemed to be an issue with the Thessalonians that some of them were, were kind of having this idea that maybe others should help them bear their own responsibilities. So they would rely on others for things like their daily bread. Um, now, it, it wasn't a situation where there were people who just physically couldn't really do anything to provide for themselves. It was an issue of people were just not providing for themselves. They were neglecting their personal responsibility. And so let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7, to what Paul says about this. He says, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So what Paul says is, it would have been justifiable, and and not just justifiable, but perfectly okay for Paul to accept their care while he's there ministering to them. But as a means of setting an example, because this was a particular weakness and failure within the Christian community in Thessalonica, Paul wanted to make sure that they understood what it looks like for someone to work hard, to provide for themselves, and be generous towards others. And so Paul went above and beyond to make sure to not um, really receive or take anything from them as a means of setting an example of what hard work looks like to provide for yourself. Verse 10, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. That's pretty simply stated, and I believe wholeheartedly in it. Um, Now, this is very different. We would think very differently about this if it were a situation where a person cannot work. That is a different situation that Scripture speaks to, and it speaks very differently to that as we're to look out for caring for one another's needs. But in this situation, this is perfectly capable individuals who are not willing to work for their own bread. And Paul says, if they're not willing to work, then let them not eat. 
that there's a natural built-in motivator with hunger. Verse 11, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Paul encourages personal responsibility. Now you're all, you also, just, just to remind us and be clear on this, Paul also speaks to being generous towards others who are in a spot where they need help. So both things can coexist here. Personal responsibility, and we'll get into generosity in just a second. But there's another aspect of personal responsibility I want to touch on, and that is sometimes we can get the idea that maybe there's a fast way towards, um, towards uh, meeting our needs or desires. And Scripture speaks to, for us to look out for that and to avoid that. Look at Proverbs Chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. There is a time-tested way of of meeting your needs and and acquiring wealth, which God does not condemn, by the way. It is the self-centered, greedy acquiring of wealth that is condemned by God. But the acquiring of it in and of itself is not condemned by God, but we are to do so with a heart towards glorifying Him and doing with it as He wills because it's His stuff. So rather we look at ourselves as stewards rather than possessors. And wealth gained hastily, which actually the word hastily there speaks to not just quickly, but deceptively. Um, so if... if if I pull a fast one on you to make a quick buck, in the end, God's reminding us and setting, letting us know, in the end, uh, that is not going to work out well for us. How, how many, how many uh, people we have seen in the headlines who were quickly rose to status of millionaires or multimillionaires and then even quicker lost it all? Because they got there in a way that, that um, took advantage of other people. Now the second thing, uh, first one is personal responsibility. The second thing is be a giver, not a taker. So be responsible for yourself. And the second part of this, of loving our neighbor and do not steal, coupling together here, is we have personal responsibility for ourselves, and we're not going to look at getting there quickly by taking advantage of others. We're going to work hard and diligently to provide for ourselves as God gives us the means to do so. But the second part of that is to be generous. Uh, be a giver, not a taker. We're, we're called by God to be generous rather than consumers. Paul's example, in fact, we can look at in Acts chapter 20. If uh, I believe we have it here, yeah. So again, Paul's example of this being lived out, what it looks like, he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Uh, again, which speaks also to Paul's um, concern for uh, being personally responsible. Verse 34, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. 
In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul couples personal responsibility and hard work with generosity towards those who actually need our help. Be a giver, not a taker. That can be applied in so many ways, but I think it is a, uh, to state it that way helps us understand that there are many ways that we can be takers. Not just of possessions, but we can be takers of a lot of things rather than givers. Um, consider our relationship with the Lord, in fact. We are to be givers of glory, honor, and praise, not takers of glory, honor, and praise. Look at Jesus' example in Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes this uh, to the church in Philippi that that they would receive encouragement and exhortation to live in such a way. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, Jesus had all the the just standing to to stand up and say, I'm God and I'm not going to be treated this way. I'm not going to be belittled by the very people I made. I'm not going to be drugged through the streets, whipped and mocked and beaten. I'm not going to hang on the cross for your sins. They weren't mine. He had every, every reason, because He is God, to claim, that, claim some kind of uh, authority through all of this, all of His sacrifice. But he, he didn't. It says He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, that he would walk as a servant in humility before God to be our suffering servant and pay our our sacrifice at the cross. And this is our model of what it looks like to be a giver and not a taker when it comes to our relationship with God. Because Jesus had every right to claim equality with the Father and claim His rightful spot over all creation and mankind. But He didn't in order to serve mankind. Consider what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they think you're awesome. So that they talk about you. So that they sing songs about you. No. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The goal of our good works is to glorify our Father. Jesus laid down that example. He says, I came to speak and do that which the Father sent me to speak and do. Which ought to be our goal as well. That we don't take glory and honor from God, but we give glory and honor. Romans chapter 1, this is the very thing that 
that falls apart when people begin to reject God. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And there's a spelling out here in this part of Romans of what happens when people reject God. And this is one of the, part of the description of what happens. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They traded the glory of God for something far less. And they stole or took honor and glory from God. So we have this be a giver, not a taker when it comes to the Lord. But we also be a giver, not a taker when it comes to other people. We need to be as concerned or more concerned even about others' well-being than we are about ourselves. Now Jesus tells us that if we, will, if we will keep the first thing the first thing, that is, seeking first the kingdom of God, He's going to supply for our needs. Leviticus chapter 19, I'd like you to turn there with me if you would. And we're going to actually look up a couple passages in Leviticus so you can just... Uh, Stick a paper in that one. Leviticus 19, that's going to be towards the the beginning of your Bible. After Exodus. There's a whole passage here where, where God is teaching His people what it looks like to operate within the Ten Commandments to operate from a principle of loving your neighbor as yourself. And so he gets into some of the nitty-gritty of what that looks like in our relationship with one another. Some of the things that that are going to come up and and how we ought to um, think about it. Leviticus 19.9 When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So in other words, the first thing here that that God says is, when you go out and harvest, do not take absolutely everything. That there, you are to leave purposefully some of it out there so that those who are travelers in the land, um, who, who don't know the area, um, who are going to necessarily be in need of various sorts because they don't know the people, they don't know the land, they don't know the language perhaps, they don't know the customs, they're going to have need of something to eat. That, and also for those who, uh, who are poor among them, that there is something left in the field for those who need it. It's a way of looking out for others. And so it's a way of being a giver and not a taker. Does the owner of the vineyard have the right, perhaps, the legal right to take absolutely every grape that ever grows in that vineyard? Sure, legal right, yeah. But is that what he's called to do? God says, be generous, be a giver. Don't don't be a total consumer here, but be looking out for the well-being of others. 
So this is the first thing here that we see in this Leviticus 19 passage, but let's keep going on. Verse 11. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. So here we have the, the taking of others' possessions coupled with the taking of their trust. That is that, that we would speak false things to one another. That we would lie to one another and misuse the trust that others place in us. And thereby rob the whole relationship of trust. So God is not just talking here about the taking of possessions, but also the just pure taking advantage of other people through falsely representing the truth, which is what we call lying, by the way. Um, the third thing here is you shall not swear, um, you shall not swear by my name falsely. I guess this, this is part of it. And so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. So in other words, he coupled in here with with the, the lying to one another and the taking of possessions is using the name of the Lord in a way for personal gain that takes advantage of other people. Man, God just lambasts the priests uh, in the Old Testament whenever they began to take a position of taking advantage of the very people they were called to serve. When the priests began to step into a place where, where they became consumers of, uh, and takers from the very people they were meant to shepherd and to teach and care for, oh man, he, he lets them have at both barrels. If there's anything that makes God extremely angry, it's when, it's when those who have been put in a place of caring for others begin to take advantage of the very ones they're to be caring for. Verse 13, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. So we ask, okay, how would we oppress our neighbor or rob him? Well, he says it. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. What he's speaking to here is folks would go out and work and they would need to be paid daily in order to uh, meet their needs. So God gave them the ability to work. They show up and do the work. In obedience to God, as He's laid out for them, they're being personally responsible, yet if the, the employer withholds their wages, then they're not able to meet their needs. So they're going and putting in the hard work to be responsible people, but then if the employer is withholding wages, they're robbing them of their ability to provide for themselves and their family. So as an employer, make sure that you're compensating your employees fairly and justly. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. We are not to take the dignity and security of especially those who are most vulnerable. In fact, we are to be givers in that we look out for their well-being, especially those who are most vulnerable among us. You shall not do injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. In other words, we are not to take fair justice from others. 
but we are to be just, evenly applied to all people, regardless of what we may stand to gain from them or lose. And especially, he speaks directly to um, the neighbor aspect that within our community, that, that there's even a greater sense of, uh, of needing to look out for one another and not to, to bring false justice into the equation that, that threatens another's security. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are not to take offenses and and turn them into bitternesses and vengeance, but rather we are to be be on the giving side of that in the sense that we seek forgiveness and reconciliation. And then look how that, um, that in verse 18, that the sort of uh, pinnacle of this passage here is, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So what does it look like when we live this out? It is that, it's Leviticus 19 here, that we have others at the top of our list of, of looking out for them. There's another dynamic of this being a giver and not a taker aspect that I think we need to consider, and that is also as it relates to creation. That God made the things here that we live among. And He gave them to us that we would be stewards of them on His behalf. Remember, He created us in His image, and we are the glory bearers of God to His created world. We are not God to the created world. We are the image bearers of His glory to the world. We are created in His likeness. We are His representation on this globe. And so we are to be His stewards and caretakers. When we consider Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, right off the get-go, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. That means to labor, to work, to serve, and to watch and observe and guard. So God right away, in a perfect environment, gives Adam the job of, hey, labor and serve and watch over it, guard it, take care of it. Has anything changed between then and now in terms of that responsibility? I can't find it in Scripture. In fact, I only find evidence that it's reiterated throughout Scripture that we are called to be stewards, givers, rather than takers of creation. The second thing would be, uh, so we have that as our, as our model for God laying this out to mankind. Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. The righteous, those who are concerned about honoring and glorifying God, treat their animals well. They have regard for the life of creation and of the animals entrusted to their care. 
Look at Leviticus chapter 25. Turn there with me because you stuck a paper in there. Leviticus 25, 1 through 7. If you didn't stick a paper in there, I warned you. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 1. So we have stewardship of of animals. We also have stewardship of the land. Leviticus 25, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. See that? The land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruit. But in the seventh year... There shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your own vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourselves and for your male and female slaves and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you and for your cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land. All its yield shall be for food. In other words, uh, what happens on the Sabbath year is that the land is, is left alone and it may be used to provide food, but not to provide prosperity, profit. It is to be allowed to rest. We are called to be stewards, givers, to that which been, has been entrusted to us rather than just consumers of it, to be users of it. Now here's the beautiful thing when we look and consider um, what it looks like to apply do not steal in our lives. Do you realize that while we all stand guilty in various measures of violating this command before God, whether it has been because we have robbed Him of His glory whether it be because we have physically taken possessions that do not belong to us, whether we have taken the trust of other people, whether we have misused his name um, to, for personal gain, whatever, whatever way we have violated this command, here, here is the beautiful thing. Jesus Christ died for thieves. Jesus Christ gave his life for sinners. In fact, we have a very we have a couple of direct pictures of this in the gospel of Luke. One is in Luke's gospel in chapter 19. Luke 19, you'll recognize um, this passage probably Luke 19 verse 1, he entered Jericho and was passing through, he being Jesus, and behold there was a man named Zacchaeus He was a chief tax collector and was rich. In other words, um, this is kind of a really nice way of saying he was a scoundrel that took advantage of other people and he was really good at his job. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried 
and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, they being the, the onlookers there, especially the religious leaders. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, a thief, and a liar, and a cheat. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, behold, Lord the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What we see Zacchaeus do right away is when, he's, when he meets Jesus, one of the first things that goes through Zacchaeus' mind is, I've, been, I've taken from God and I've taken from others and I want to give it back and even then some. And so he says, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. This is his way of saying, God, I've been robbing you and I'm giving it back. And then he says, if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to give it back even fourfold. When I've taken advantage of other people, I'm going to make it right and not just give them their money back, but I'm going to, I'm going to pay them even extra for the way I've treated them. What a great example of, of uh, repentance and what it looks like when we apply it. But there's also chapter 23, if you flip over there. Luke chapter 23. Verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Mark's gospel uh, calls them the robbers, that they were thieves. Verse 34, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the ch- his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. Verse 39, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, For we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief, even at his execution, pleading to God, receives forgiveness from Jesus Christ. So do not steal is really the, the opposite, or, or stealing is the opposite of what we as believers are to be about. We are to be about seeking the welfare of others and being generous rather than taking and robbing and stealing. And Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 is a, really a great picture of what it looks like when this happens in the lives of believers. 
And we're going to wrap it up right here. Luke cha- or Acts chapter 4, verse 20, 42. Sorry. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When we, here's, here's the reality. When we as Christians hoard our stuff, or what we think is our stuff, that which God has entrusted to us, when we hoard it, when we're greedy with it, there is never enough for everyone, and we will never feel like we have enough. And I would probably add that we're always going to be worried that somebody's going to take it from us. But when we have a generous heart and a desire to seek the welfare of others and recognize we are stewards of what God has entrusted to us, we will find there will always be enough for everyone. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. There were legitimate people in need. There were probably people who were working hard and squeaking by just to provide for themselves, but everybody sought the welfare of each other, and there was plenty for everyone. There's always enough, and we will actually find freedom from our possessions because we're really stewards. And rather than our stuff being a prison, that binds us, it becomes a way of serving other people on behalf of the Lord who entrusted it to us. So do not steal is a very simple, straightforward command. But there are a multitude of ways that it impacts our daily life and our relationships and even our relationship with the Lord directly. In the end, Don't take what doesn't belong to you and seek the welfare of others. And then we're on the right track to loving our neighbor as ourself and loving the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Father, thank you once again for the forgiveness you have given us. We know that we deserve punishment from you because of our sin. But you gave your only son for us on the cross that we would receive forgiveness like the criminal that hung next to Jesus. That we would receive forgiveness of our sin and eternal life. So Lord, we ask that you would help us to, to treat others the way that you have treated us. To forgive them as you have forgiven us. To love them as you have loved us. To be generous to them as you have been generous to us. Lord, let us not be held, held captive by the things you've entrusted to our care, but Lord, let us be wise stewards of it on your behalf for the benefit of all, especially those who are in need. Lord Jesus, we thank you for giving your life for ours. Teach us how to walk in your ways, to represent you faithfully, 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we... Well, if you find that as we work our way through this, that um, you find yourself guilty before God for violating the very things that he said to avoid doing, um, the good news is that he's always available 24-7 for you to call on him and ask for forgiveness and to turn away from whatever you have been doing and to turn towards walking in the path of his blessing and doing right by other people, which as Zacchaeus set an example for us, sometimes means going back and taking care of where you've messed up and taken advantage of other people. But God gives forgiveness to all that call upon Him and seek to walk in His ways. And so let us walk in His ways to be a blessing to others, be personally responsible, and also to, to be givers and not takers. And this is really living out the gospel. Lord, bless and keep you. Remember uh, the potluck up at DeSantis's. Um, uh, pretty easy. I can give you directions if you need it. But uh, Lord, bless your day.